Well, good morning and welcome to The Branches. My name is Alex Hershey. I'm the pastor here. So glad that you're here this morning. Um, man, I want to uh, like always walk up while that beat's going. I think, I mean, like right now, I think we all need a little beat in us. I mean, why do they keep taking an hour from us every year? They just keep taking an hour away from us. Unbelievable. But anyway, I'm glad that you're here. Before we get started, would you turn to those around you and with joy and a smile, Tell them that Jesus loves them. Can you do that for me? That'd be awesome. Let me hear you. Let's get rowdy. It'll keep us awake. Goodness. Awesome. Oh, my goodness sakes. Uh, hey, I'm really excited. We are about a month away from Easter, and Easter at the Branches is one of my favorite days of the year. It's just absolutely so much fun, and uh, I just want to say really quick, this church exists because people have invited uh, others to come and be here. And we believe in the power of invitation. We truly do. The power of invitation changed my life. I still remember when that youth pastor came up to me and said, I want you to come to youth group tonight. And I was on the fence the whole time, and it changed my life, that moment did. So we believe in the power of invitation here at the branches, and I believe that all of us are gifted to be able to invite someone to come. Easter is a perfect time to celebrate an invitation and inviting people to come and experience the love and the grace of Jesus. So each of you get these invite cards. And I just, uh, I know that you're not supposed to litter, and you shouldn't litter, but uh, you, should, you should pass these out everywhere, all right? So I, I remember when we first started the church, I'll tell this story. When we first started the church, we had just regular, normal invite cards and my son, who was in first grade, would sneak invite cards into the school and, uh, and, you know, just, and just pass them out everywhere. And so the power of invitation is so, so awesome. So I encourage you to do that. Easter is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a sunrise service at 8 o'clock. And then we're going to be meeting in here at 10. And then with an Easter egg hunt, once this curtain goes up, there will be a bunch of eggs back there. It's, it's a fun time. Well, awesome. I just wanted to hit on that really quick. Hey, really quick, uh, again, I, I, just, I just don't know about you. I, every time this morning I feel like I'm awake, I realize that I, might, I don't know what I'm talking about. And so uh, just give someone a high five really quick. I'm just telling, I want you to wake up here. Okay, good. That's good. If you're by yourself, give yourself a high five. There you go. Awesome. All right. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, we come here today and we are so thankful for the love that you have for us through your son, Jesus. What a beautiful thing that is. That is something that sometimes we can't get our minds just wrapped around. Is that you loved us so much that you allowed for your son to come into this world to take our shame, to take our sin, so that we could be forgiven and experience a grace like none other and have a life with you. So this morning, God, Work in us and stir in our hearts. Awake our minds to hear from you. Awake our hearts to, to feel from you. To know that you are our hope, that you are our joy, and that you are truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Like, I can't even put my coffee down this morning. It's like glued to my hand. <laughs> in 2003, there was a rock climber named Aaron uh, Ralston. Uh, some of you may know this story by watching a movie that came out in 2010 uh, called 127 Hours. But this movie is about an experience that this guy, Aaron, had. Aaron was uh, uh, someone who loved adventure. 
And he also loved being by himself. And he went out into the wilderness in Utah. He went into the Canyonland National Park. He biked and he climbed and he hiked. And he was all by himself. And he found himself all by himself. And all of a sudden, he is down uh, in, a, in a canyon, as you see in this picture. And an 800-pound boulder slips and falls and pins his arm down uh, right there in the spot. In that moment, as he went into the wilderness by himself, he found himself with no options. He found himself with no options. He was pinned down and all alone. He was pinned down in the wilderness, and he was stuck. Now, in one way to keep you awake uh, through uh, losing an hour of sleep, I have to then tell you the gruesomeness of what took place here. I know. So I, every time I, I throw up in my mouth as I'm talking about this, also... I question my, this is a little side note. The first sermon I ever told as I like, left seminary was the story of J.L. And so sometimes I don't have, I don't know what to, not, if you don't know the story of J.L., look it up later. I'm not going to talk about it because this is another gruesome thing. So anyway, I, I don't do blood well. But anyway, he found out that the only way out was to break his arm and then cut his arm off. That's the quickest way I'm going to say it. That's what he did. He went into the wilderness alone and he found himself pinned under an eight-pound boulder. And he didn't know what to do. This is the story that comes to my mind when I start thinking about the wilderness in in the Bible, right? Especially as we are journeying through the Gospel of Mark. And the first time that we see, and as we're going through this journey as we head towards Easter, we see that Jesus goes out into the wilderness. But we need to know more about the wilderness. Because often when we think of wilderness moments in our lives, we we can understand this Aaron guy because we feel that we are alone. And we feel that we are pinned down by something. And what we do when we begin to look at the Bible and understand the wilderness, yes, it is mentioned over 400 times in the Old and the New Testament. Wilderness moments happened. And the thing is, is that I think that there's a duality that takes place in the wilderness. There are moments where there's judgment that takes place, but there's also moments of great growth that happen. And this is something that we, I believe, still struggle with today. When we feel that we are in a wilderness moment with God, we can either feel that we are being held down by God, that we are being judged by God, or we can begin to see that maybe this is a place of growth for us. Wilderness moments for us in this day and age probably look a little bit different than the Old Testament times, even the Jesus times as well. But our wilderness moments and and broken relationships, our wilderness moments of worry, our wilderness moments of wondering what the next job will be or how to raise a kid or how to stay married, these wilderness moments can eat us apart and yet we see our Savior right at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark go into the wilderness. Often Jesus is teaching us how to survive in this world and be able to understand how to have an abundant life while we are here. So this is what we find ourselves in. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up. Uh, man, this is as you go through the Bible, there can be a long section. So stay with me as I read through this section. It's a long one. Chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. So maybe not so long, but anyway. But as we go through this, last week we, we talked about the beginning passages here, and now we're just moving right along. Don't worry, we will do big chunks uh, coming up. But right now, the beginning part of this story in the Gospel of Mark is a powerful one for us to understand. 
And so here we are. We find this. We find ourselves, Jesus getting baptized and going into the wilderness. And this is what it says. Here we go. All right. At the time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, Jordan River. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. So this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. That's why the Gospel of Mark kicks off right here. This is the beginning of it. All right, so Jesus is ready. He has to get baptized. And I want to get back to that passage, but first I want to continue in understanding what this means by looking at the wilderness. My friend, Dr. Dave Schreiner, he says this, A return to the wilderness was necessary for the reestablishment of Israel's broken relationship. Jesus is always knowing what to do. Everything matters in what he does. Every step he takes, every action he makes, and and we capture this in the gospel. He knows that he needs to reestablish the brokenness of God's people. And the first place he goes is into the wilderness. Why the wilderness? If we go back, we are reminded as we go through Exodus, God's people were in the wilderness how many years? Does anybody remember how many years? Forty years. I have a pastor friend who says, we spend 40 days with Jesus at Lent so we don't have to spend 40 years faithlessly wandering through the wilderness. Taking time to spend with God is important. Jesus didn't have to do 40 years. He did 40 days out in the wilderness. And as he's out there, we can say he's by himself. But what we begin to see is that he is not by himself. We see right at the end that there are the angels there that are around him. He has angels that are are protecting him. And why do you say they're protecting him? Because it says that he's out there with the wild animals. He's protected. Jesus is protected. He is not by himself. Then also we see that the Satan's out there. Now, I wouldn't, I would strongly suggest you not keep company with Satan. I'm just going to say that out loud. Sometimes that needs to, don't invite him over for dinner. That's what I just said, don't have him at dinner, guys. But Jesus is not by himself. Though he is sent out into the wilderness, we can often think that Jesus just goes and he goes after. But we are reminded that Jesus, in this moment, is fully human and fully God. And in this moment, we have seen to this point that he has stayed perfect. And he continues to be perfect as he goes towards the cross. This is all important information as we are looking at this and understanding this this idea that we need to know how to behave in the wilderness. Because we'll have those moments. We'll have those moments. Now, this past week, it marks the the two-year anniversary of the COVID pandemic, right? Right? I mean, two years ago, things were shutting down. It was, it, was, it was wild. All of a sudden, there were friendships that all of a sudden we just didn't see each other for a while, or maybe we had these breaks. And so when we hear wilderness now, and isolation now, we actually have some idea of what that's like, right? To be by yourself for a long extended time we have some kind of idea of that. 
and it's hard. It's weird. And some of us are still like, we are still not sure what we're supposed to be like now. And we're seeing this happen everywhere. Wilderness is real. Believing that we are by ourselves is a real feeling. Isolation is not good. And yet time and time again, we are finding ourselves choosing isolation over community. Time and time again, we feel that we have to try to figure out how to make it through the wilderness on our own strength and our own power. But yet, we see Jesus here saying that is not the way. That's not the way. It's not about you. It's not about saying, look what I can do on my own. But it's looking to see how God is with us at all times and how God provides for us in those moments. So we go back to the beginning of this passage. And Jesus is headed out to be baptized by John the Baptist. Still today, after all of these years of me studying the Scriptures, I'm like, why does he need to do it? He's Jesus. He's God. He's fully human, fully God. Why does he need to do it? Again, Jesus is showing us the way. And it's sort of cool in this moment, right, when the heavens tear open and all of a sudden you hear the the dove descends, right? And, and And then you hear that this is my son who I am well pleased And it's an echoing of language that we see in Psalms 2 when when it's King's Coronation Days, right? Just like Elsa. Anyway, that's my Frozen reference for the month. Anyway, and so, but that's it. Like, it's the Coronation Day. It's a big deal. In this moment, what is happening when Jesus is baptized, it is this declaration of Jesus is our King. He is the King. The heavens open up. The dove descends. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. He is king. In that moment, we see that we are not the king. And that God loves us so much that he came down to be amongst his people. Another beautiful thing that we see in this moment is that this idea of when we are baptized, we know that Jesus is king and that we are called to serve Jesus. This is why we are baptized. This is why on May 8th we're going to have a baptism service, and we're super excited about this. This is the time for you to declare outwardly of the inward grace of Jesus working in you. Maybe these last two years have been years where you have changed drastically, and you just need a place to say, I want to declare that I am Christ alone, that Christ is for me, nothing else. Jesus is my king, and I want to make that declaration. This is an opportunity for you to do that. Not May 8th, May 1st. So anyway, sorry about that. May 8th is Mother's Day. Start buying your package. I don't know. Anyway, so anyway. So, but this is a moment where we declare that. We understand that. That Jesus is king, and that we are called to serve Jesus. The cool part about that is sometimes we don't understand that with baptism. It is, this, this is who I serve. Jesus being baptized is this great reminder to us that we have a humble Savior who has come to serve us. He is King, but He has come to serve you and me. 
What a beautiful thing that has happened. And so for us to understand this is then we see that before we go into the wilderness, have we made that declaration in our lives that Jesus is King, that we have a, a, a purpose and a call upon our hearts to serve Him. This is our desire. This is what we need. And as Jesus says, you will have wilderness moments, He says, but I will be with you. I will be with you. The more and more, the more and more that I have learned and grown in my personal faith, the more and more I've learned that wilderness moments happen. And the more and more I've learned, the more and more I need Jesus. And there's always this pushback in my life of, I think this time I actually can do it on my own. That doesn't go away. That hasn't gone away for me. Well, if I just do this or I just maneuver this, I can get through this season of worry. If I just handle, you know, some finances a little bit different, I can make it to the next day. We do this time and time again. We put so much pressure upon our shoulders. We put so much into what we can do and not what God is doing for us. And this time right now, the beautiful, the beautiful gift of being able to surrender to Jesus is real and is needed for us right now. So, as you may feel that you were in the wilderness, or maybe you can relate to those seasons of being in the wilderness, we need to remember the famous words of Michael Jackson, where he says, you are not alone. You are not alone. This is a good reminder. Also, it's a good reminder that Michael Jackson is the king of pop, not the king of all kings. All right? So just let's keep that separation. Okay, everybody? But you're not alone. Even in the wilderness moments, even when you feel that no one understands you, even when you feel that what is going on, you're not alone. You're not alone. You may feel that 800-pound boulder is on top of you, and the only thing, way to get out is to do something extremely drastic. I'll just say that God is right by you saying, don't do it. Don't bail now. Don't bail now. God is not done with you. God has not forgotten about you. God wants you to surrender and draw closer to Him. It's true. It's true. God is not done with you. You are not alone. branches that's the name of this church the passage is John 15:5 and I will for I will just always believe this the beautiful that Jesus says I am the vine and you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing I believe that God 
wants to bear fruit in you and all that you do. We just have to stay connected to him. John Wesley has a phrase where he call he says optimism optimist optimism wait optimism I can't say it right it's do have we I lost an hour of sleep optimism grace grace wait no my gosh I'm gonna go to my notes where is it where optimism optimism oh I can't say it right just keep going just get optimism optimism grace it doesn't sound right now that I say it out loudish or whatever be optimism in God's grace how about that I'm gonna rephrase it but in saying that. It's this beautiful idea. Wesley said, even in the wilderness, there is fertile ground. Even in the wilderness, there is fertile ground. Are we willing to walk in the fertile ground? Are we willing to open our hearts to see the fertile ground that God is about to produce fruit in your life, even though you may find yourselves in the wilderness? That good is at work through the hands of Jesus in your life. This is a great beginning to a journey to the cross where we can feel alone, where we can feel that the situation that we can find ourselves in or our friends are in or our family members are in, that they are just lost. And what Jesus would say to you is, says, don't worry, there's fertile ground in the wilderness. In a few weeks, I grew up in a farm community. In a few weeks, farmers will be out and about. And if you grow up in a farm community, or if you just drive about five minutes that way, in those few weeks, you'll be able to smell the fertile ground going. It may not smell great. The wilderness might not feel wonderful. But God is about to do something good. The optimism of God's grace is about to do something in your life, this church's life, and our community. Let us step into it. Let us step into the fertile ground and see what God will do. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we surrender our lives to you. We are not alone. You are with us. And Lord, we declare that you are king and we are not. And we come before you saying we desire to serve you and to have fruitful lives. And even though there are times where we feel that we are not good enough and that we are lost or maybe that we are done, Lord, you are saying to us right now, you are not done with us. And that you are ready for us to know you more. So we pray for that fertile ground. And we pray for fruit to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Here at the branches, all who believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord are welcome to take communion. If you don't have your communion, you can go in the back and grab some. But we are reminded that as Jesus was with his disciples the night before he went to the cross, he had the Last Supper. And at this time, Jesus passed around the bread and the cup. And he said, take and eat, take and drink in remembrance of me. 
And we remember because we are saved. We are saved from sin and shame. We remember because we have new life. What a beautiful thing that is. We have life now and life forever. All we have to do is repent, turn from our sin, and follow Jesus. And there is no sin that is greater than any of God's grace. So would you right now pray with me to come and lay down our sins at Christ's feet? Would you pray with me? God, you are good. We come before you right now knowing that we are not perfect and that we need you. Lord, you are the God of transformation. You are the God who changes us and moves amongst us. You're the one who allows for the Spirit to be with us. And so, Lord, we confess those sins in our lives that seem to be clinging on to us, and we want to flee from them and run from them. Lord, right now, we confess them in the stillness of our hearts and our minds over to you. Lord, right now, we thank you for your amazing forgiveness and the grace that goes before us and the grace that is with us and the grace that is always stirring around us. Thank you for taking our sin and taking our shame. Bless this bread and bless this juice. Let it represent to us who you are and what you desire for us to become. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The body of Christ broken for you, take any. The blood of Christ shed for you and the forgiveness of your sins, take and drink. We are new creations in you, Jesus. Move in us and stir in us. Remove the sin so it can be filled with your love so that we can be an instrument of your love and your peace to those around us. And let us now go with your grace, helping us to be fruitful people to allow for the light of Christ to shine brightly in this world. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh, look around, look around you, all these people. We are going, we are so excited. Yeah, these people love you, we love you. Go with Christ's love, sharing it with all those around you. And also, I just, I mean, I'm a little bit in with the big guy. You all get double gold stars for being here this morning after missing an hour of sleep. Anyway, go with Jesus, have fun, and know that you can be his love to others. See you guys. Sing.